It's time for us to get started tonight, please. I think I forgot the books of the Bible this week. Y'all gonna have to help me out, all right? Ready? One, two, three. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, Second Samuel, First Kings, Second Kings, First Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah. Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, Matthew, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, 1 Peter, 1 John, 2 John, Good. Jesus loves me. 
It's about time for us to get ready to go to our Bible classes. We want to express our appreciation to all of you for being here tonight. Uh, of course, we've got a couple of classes that you can choose from. Uh, one is in the Annex on uh, religious questions, denominational questions. Uh, the other is here uh, in the auditorium taught by Brother Ken in the judges, and so you can take your pick. As far as announcements go, I'm not going to rehash uh, those that we heard this morning. 
but if you'll uh, be sure and look at the uh, publication that was put out this morning, I think most of those are there. But we are glad you're here. And before we are dismissed to our Bible classes, please remember that if you need to partake of the Lord's Supper uh, on the way to Bible class, you can go to the little chapel and you'll be served at this time. Let's now uh, close this part with a prayer. Let us pray. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the many blessings of it. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity we have to teach our young children in the way of the Lord. Lord, I ask that your, your hand of safety, your hand of security, your hand of protection be over each and every one of them. Lord, please do not allow them to trip over the adult's example that we set each and every day. Lord, allow us to light their path, and Lord, may they just follow you the rest of their lives and have a home in heaven with thee. Lord, we ask that you watch over us, guide, guard, and direct us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you. enthusiasm it's contagious you know so have these people who are sick we're going to be praying for shortly we're going to sing a song together 643 and then we will have a Bible study out of the book of Judges we're going to start in Judges chapter 10 at about verse 17 Irene Baker is Melinda Hester's mother. She has terminal cancer. Martha Eaton had foot surgery on June the 6th. She is in a lot of pain. She had to go back to the doctor. Uh, I'll not describe what the problem was with it, but it was very painful. And we're just praying that everything's going like it should and that she'll 
get healing in that foot. Austin Wentz is undergoing chemo treatments, and he's doing pretty well with that. Terry Green had come to the end of his chemotherapy treatments. The tumor had not reduced to the degree that they had hoped, so he's going back for an additional treatment. After that, they're going to wait for about three weeks or so, make an assessment, and then possibly do surgery. The whole, whole purpose of the chemo was to reduce the tumor so it could be removed. Verlin Davis has Alzheimer's, and we pray for her. She'll have good days, and also for her caregivers. And Stevens has multiple health problems that keeps her homebound. Marilyn Wilson, recovering from back surgery. Many of you have asked about any results from Ruth Staley, my mother-in-law's biopsy, and the biopsy results are supposed to come on Wednesday. And actually, Anita is up in West Virginia with her, so we're hoping that those results will be negative. Kim Fowler is still recovering from broken foot. Don Dawson has several health issues. Johnny Howe is Ken Scott's aunt. She has cancer. Okay, so Connie Mooney has been released from a permanent, a permanent stay at the rehab place. She's gone home, but she's taking outpatient therapy. Um, the blood clot that she developed is responding to treatment, so sounds like she's doing a lot better. Sue James has cancer. That's Rick Warner's friend. Gary Thornton's undergoing cancer treatment. That's Barbara Gwynn's brother. Quitman's at Landmark. He was not at the Devo today, so I don't, I don't know his state right now, but he's, he's had a tough time. Geraldine Taylor has pancreatic cancer. She's at Landmark. Stephen Hodgins' dad's recovering from his broken vertebrae. Pat Ritchie has pancreatic cancer. Tommy Barragona's undergoing treatments. Should be coming to the end of that pretty soon. One more. One more treatment. Randy Stutz was here today. Did you see him? Just walking around like it was nothing. Great. That's all I can say. He's recovering, and that's wonderful. So I asked Madonna this morning. She was here too. How's your neck? She went like this. It's like... Okay, <laughs> looks good. <laughs> so um, I'm very happy for her. Um, Diana, she's, she's here, so we're glad you're back. Hope you're feeling yourself again, or at least getting back to normal. She had strep, pretty bad case of it, I understand. Uh, Bernice Voiles, that's Emily's grandmother. She's going to be 100 on June the 21st. If you'd like to send her a card, that'd be great. She's at Mississippi Care that's in Corinth. Janet Coker still have bronchitis? Better. Okay, good. Marley Warner, any change with her? Oh. Okay. Is that how that's supposed to work? You'll be fine so long as you wear this monitor. You know, back when I got my medical degree, it was not this difficult. Now, 
fake. I was just kidding. Anybody that was wondering, I'm making a joke, okay, about my not having a medical degree, but dispensing medical advice. Wait, that's not good either, right? So whatever is illegal, I'm not doing it. Uh, when niece Floyd oh, was not well this week, I think she's returned home. She's doing better. All right, getting a nod of the head. But let's. Yes. Okay. All right. Well. Well. Okay. All right. Um, Stan was not here today, was he? Because he he's got COVID. So. Uh, I know I've heard a lot of people coming down with COVID lately, especially people that are traveling other places and coming back. So I guess if you travel out, please don't come back <laughs> until you're well. <laughs> Again, listen to this mess I'm getting in. I don't, don't know. And uh, Michael Smith, anybody know an update about him? He was in an automobile accident uh, earlier this week. All right, uh, anybody else you want to add to? Yes? Did I get that right? Okay. Okay. Baswell. Well, that'd be an S. How does that look, everybody? Okay, that's probably closer. Okay, we'll pray for him too. All right, let's sing a song together. Then we'll have our prayer and begin our Bible study. Six, four, three. Are you sowing the seed of the kingdom, brother, in the morning, bright and fair? Are you sowing the seed of the kingdom, brother, in the heat of the Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for a beautiful day today, and we just thank you for the blessing of health and strength and freedom to be able to assemble this afternoon to study your word again and to encourage and build one another up. 
We pray for these people who are sick because most of these folks are related to us in some way or are friends of ours. And when they hurt, we hurt. And we're just praying relief, at least on these situations, if not a complete cure. We do pray, Lord, for Irene Baker. We pray comfort for her and for her family, that she'll have good days. We pray for Martha Eaton, that she will find relief from the pain she's been experiencing and that her foot will heal as it was intended to and that she'll be able to get good use of it. We pray for Austin Wentz and his treatments, that they'll be successful and long-lasting. And we also pray the same for Terry, who's facing a, a lot ahead of him. We pray for Verlin Davis. She'll have good days. And we pray for her caregivers that they can provide for her according to her needs. Bless Ann Stevens that she will have good days and Marilyn Wilson and her recovery. Please bless Ruth Staley that she'll get a negative result this week. If that's your will, certainly we pray that you'll uh, help guide the doctors to discover a treatment that's suitable for her. We pray for Kim Fowler in recovering from her broken foot. We pray for Don Dawson who has a lot of problems, but has been dealing with a stomach problem too. Pray for Johnny Howe, who has cancer. We pray for Connie Mooney that her therapy is going to be a success and that she'll be able to walk freely. Pray for Sue James in her cancer, for Gary Thornton in his cancer treatment. Bless Quitman and Geraldine as they're both at Landmark. We pray they'll have good days. Bless Stephen's dad, Kenneth, in recovering from his back injury. Bless Pat Ritchie, who has cancer, and Tommy Baragona. We pray this this last treatment will be the only treatments necessary and that his body's going to turn around and he's going to do great. We just pray full strength for him. We are thankful that Randy was here today. It was encouragement to us all to see him. We pray that he's on the right track with his knee and that he's going to recover and do well. Bless Madonna Cook, who seems to be doing great, and we pray a full recovery for her. We're thankful, Father, that Diane is back with us tonight, and we're, we're thankful that she recovered from her sickness, and we pray she'll have good days. Bless the Vo uh, Bernice Voiles and her family as they celebrate 100 years of life and influence and you know, I guess, Lord, a lot of us aspire to long lives. Help those lives if you'll grant them to be full and productive and useful. We pray for Janet Coker, and we're thankful she's doing better. And pray she'll be back to normal very soon. Bless Gnarly, Marley Warner as she's had some issues. And we pray the monitor and diagnostics will be able to determine exactly what the problem is and promote healing for her. We're glad she's doing well. We pray for Juanice and for Milton and for their safety as she has been having some health issues. We just pray that she'll get the kind of support and care that she needs to thrive. We pray for Stan Pounds as he's recovering from COVID, as are so many others. And we, we just pray that it won't be a very severe case for anybody. Bless Michael Smith in his recovery, especially from the latest surgery on his eye that he had to have. We pray for Ann Newton, who has COVID and complications that came from that. 
pray full recovery for her. And we pray for Johnny Boswell, who's had some kidney failure and is undergoing rehab. Pray that function will return and that he'll do great. Lord, please bless us tonight in our study together. Uh, Help us to appreciate, like you want us to, the account of the lives of people who lived during this very tumultuous time and help us never to repeat the mistakes they made. Help us have faith like so many exhibited, but help us not to turn from it and to trust you fully. And uh, thank you for uh, the blessing of your son that keeps us focused and on the right track. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're studying in Judges chapter 10, as I mentioned. We're going to start tonight at verse 17. I will remind you what we just got to. So you'll remember that the children of Israel were in a mess again. God has reprimanded them. He is not going to ever help them again, except that they cry out and they make this declaration, verse 15. They said, Lord, we have sinned. You know, they, they own it. We're, we're wrong. We admit it. So do to us whatever seems best to you. Only deliver us this day, we pray. You know, don't wait. Make it snappy. Make it quick. And so with that intent of their heart, seemingly the Lord is swayed. He has mercy on them. They put away their foreign gods from among them. They serve the Lord and his soul. I I just, I love this expression because I don't know of any other place that puts it quite this way. Oftentimes we think of our own soul. And you remember God, when he created man, he, he, Uh, breathed into him, you know, the breath of life. He became a living soul. That was our connection with God. This, this text says that his, he could no longer, his soul could no longer endure their misery. So God's watching it, right? It's not like he turned his eyes away from him. He's still watching what they're doing. And there is, I think we talked about this when your children are in a mess you want them to learn from it, but you don't want it to destroy them, right? And these are his people. Uh, they're in a mess, and he wants to help. He's not going to help unless they've made a commitment to change because the whole whole purpose of bringing the oppression was to cause the repentant heart. And now we have that, and so God's willing to relent, show mercy, and he's going to help them. What's What's interesting about this case is We're not going to see the Lord actively pursue a judge like he had done before. It's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to help you, but it's not going to be like it was before. I think, well, Samson's going to be pretty much like the status quo had been, but this, this is just a little bit different. So we're in, um, Verse 17, where we were going to pick up tonight. Then the people of Ammon gathered together and encamped in Gilead. Gilead, as I mentioned to you, is on the east side of the Jordan. It's where, you know, the it's called the Transjordan. Remember Dan and the half-tribe of Manasseh and Gad all decided they were going to stay. They liked the land over there. So those folks inhabited it when they everybody went into the land of promise. They sent a contingent of troops. Now they're back and they're defending their own territories. Well, Ammon has inundated this area. It says Ammon 
as a foe, has gathered together and encamped in Gilead. That's that whole territory, kind of the nickname of that area. Children of Israel assembled together and camp in Mizpah. In other words, they've gathered together and they're getting ready to go to war. Except that, guess what Israel doesn't have? We don't have anybody to lead us. You know, there's no, there's no judge that's been identified. Typically, the way this goes is God sends us a judge. The judge gets the people all excited and gathers up the team, and then we go to fight. This time, we got the team, but we got no leader. Who's, who's going to take care of us? God said, it's like, the way I see this, it's like the people said, you know what? Okay, Lord, we're putting away the idols. We are going to trust you. Here's the demonstration of our faith and our trust. We're going to put together an army, and we know how you work. You'll bring us a judge. But he didn't do that. And so the people, the leaders of Gilead, they said to one another, who's the man? You know, who's the guy? Who is going to begin the fight against the people of Ammon? He shall be head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. You know, if we, if God's not going to identify him, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go according to the pattern of the thing that we've seen before. Every time we had a judge before, what did he become? Not just the military leader, right? He became the guy, the, like the, like the, the chief, the, the boss. So he's, they're like, okay, we're trusting God now. Sorry, Lord. And we've been oppressed. We've learned our lesson. We're repentant. We're submissive. We've gathered an army. Only you haven't identified our leader yet. But I'm, but here, here's the deal. If we have a leader, we'll do just like God has done before. He'll be our military leader. We'll also make him our civil leader. So chapter 11, what we're going to get here, if you ever watch those, maybe you watch a, a TV show where you have flashbacks, you're following along, all of a sudden you get a flashback to something else, or it could be, sometimes flashbacks are forward or backward, sometimes they're sideways. In other words, while this is happening Something contemporary with it is happening over here on the side. That's how chapter 11 starts. We get information about the guy who is eventually going to be installed and answer the question that they just asked. Now, Jephthah, the Gileadite, where's this guy from? Gilead, right? In fact, he's the son of Gilead. Gilead, his father, is the one after whom this whole territory has been named. Big deal? You can nod your head this way right now, but let's just put a little hook there because it's really not a good relationship. So the Gilead, he is a mighty man of valor. We ever had a guy called something like that before? Remember Gideon was called the mighty man of valor, although he, he wasn't. (laughs) He's like, who? (laughs) You talk, you talking to me? No. Jephthah is that. So it's like God's not having to call this guy out to be something. He's already become that. Now, I mentioned to you last time in the beginning that he is the thug judge. The thudge. I just made that up. If I can make some money, internet, on thudge, I will copyright that. Okay, so he is a mighty man of valor, but here's, here's his background. He was the son of a harlot. And Gilead begot Jephthah. So Gilead, big man, 
whole territory named after him, except that he had a child by means of a prostitute. Hey, success, good, no, bad, frowny face, okay? But he had legitimate children, so to speak. So Gilead's wife bore sons. How do you think those sons felt about the harlot-born son? They did. They, it reminds you a little bit, a little, this much, of the situation with Joseph, right? Different mother, brothers don't like you, and that. Except this is way worse, and that his father had gone to a prostitute, and she bore this child. And they're like, no, and he's not going to have any part with us. He's out of the family. He, he is out. Well, when his wife's sons grew up, they drove Jephthah out. And they said to him, you shall have no inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of another woman. Jephthah fled from his brothers and dwelt in the land of Tob, and worthless men banded together with Jephthah and went out raiding with him. What is he? I think it starts with an O and ends with a W. Has a UT and an LA in it. He's an outlaw. He's a bad guy. Jephthah, son of Gilead, by means of a prostitute, is a thug. And he's got a group of thugs. And he's going around intimidating people. Ugh! Came to pass after a time (laughs) that the people of Ammon made war against Israel. Except they don't have a what right now? We have, okay, Lord, we trust you. We're ready to serve you. Where's our judge? So it was when the people of Ammon made war against Israel, the elders of Gilead, stop right there. Who are these people? These are those fine, upstanding Gileadites who kicked Jephthah out, right? You son of a prostitute, we won't have nothing to do with you. You don't get any of what we've got. Stay away from us. We're ashamed of you. Except that what have they heard about old Jephthah? Man, he is tough. It's kind of like any of you ever watched those um, spaghetti westerns with Clint Eastwood in them? Where the town folk are all uppity and righteous until the bad guys show up, and what are they willing to do? Hire Clint Eastwood, <laughs> you know, who is the, he's the bad hombre, you know, he walks around with a hat down and the gun, he's ready to shoot everybody. That's Jephthah. Jephthah is the thug. He's the Clint Eastwood type. He's the guy you don't ever want to deal with until you need him for something. So it was when those people made war, the elders of Gilead, they went to Jephthah from the land of Tom. They said to Jephthah, come and be our commander. Not just we want you to have an inheritance with us again, we want you to rule over us that we may fight against the people of Ammon. Do you think the Ammonites were a big threat? Not you head this way. They're willing to do anything to stop their advancement. So Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, did you not hate me and expel me from my father's house? Don't I remember that right? I became a thug because of you. Why have you come to me now when you're in distress? We think we know the answer, don't we? 
because they can't handle it themselves. The elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, that's why we've turned again to you. You know, Jephthah, here's a great way to think of it. It's like, you know, God knew we were going to have to deal with these Ammonites, so in His infinite wisdom, we kicked you out of the family and sent you on the road, and you had to scrap and try to care for yourself. You got with those worthless men, but look at you now. Why? You've become a great man of valor, a mighty man of valor, and so we need you. Isn't that the most ridiculous thing? So that's why we've turned to you now, that you may go with us and fight against the people of them and be our head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. So Jephthah, now Jephthah's a great negotiator. And we'll see this later as well with the Ammonites. Jephthah, he says to the elders of Gilead, if you take me back home to fight against the people of Ammon and the Lord delivers them to me, shall I be your head? That is not just that you're going to give me the power to lead the military assault, but when I come back, you're going to set me up as the tribal leader, right? The elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, the Lord will be a witness between us. If we do not do according to your words, you save us and we will put you as our head. Then Jephthah, he went with the elders of Gilead. The people made him head and commander over them. And Jephthah spoke all his words before the Lord in Mizpah. Okay, this is all backward from the way that we expect for a judge, a military leader, a tribal leader to be installed. But but it's how things had so digressed in this time. The people still need God, but now, you know, they're, they're so fickle. And on the, in one side of their mouth, they give homage to God in terms of the agreement. We do it before the Lord. You know, we're, we're going we're gonna to trust the Lord. We're going to make our promises to the Almighty. But at the same time, they're just still corrupt and so idol worship leaning. So Jephthah again sent messengers to the king of the people of Ammon. And here's what he said. Thus says Jephthah, Israel didn't take away the land of Moab, nor the land of the people of Ammon. For when Israel came up from Egypt, they walked through the wilderness as far as the Red Sea and came to Kadesh. Then Israel sent messengers to the king of Edom saying, please let me pass through your land. But the king of Edom would not heed. And in like manner, they sent to the king of Moab and he would not consent. So Israel remained in Kadesh. And they went along through the wilderness and bypassed the land of Edom, the land of Moab, came to the east side of the land of Moab, encamped on the other side of the Arnon. But they did not enter the border of Moab, for the Arnon was the border of Moab. Then Israel sent messengers to Sihon, king of the Amorites, king of Heshbon. Israel said to him, Please let us pass through your land into our place. But Sihon did not trust Israel to pass through his territory. So Sihon gathered all his people together, encamped in Jahaz, and fought against Israel. Ammon says, here's the problem. Here's the problem, Jephthah. And that is, Moses stole our land, and we want it back. So that's why we've come into here. We've just come to get what was rightfully ours. And so Jephthah, knowledgeable of history and scripture rehashes what actually happened. And he says, you know, this is how it was. Moses led the people through the wilderness. Every time he came into a territory inhabited, for instance, by people like Moab, 
They said, hey, king of Moab, would you let us pass through your territory? We offer no threat to your people. Sometimes those kingdoms would say, yeah, you go right on through. Other times, as in the case of Moab, they would say no. Now his argument's going to be, you know what? When Moab said no, we didn't go into their territory, and we never, ever had a problem with Moab. But we did come to this king, Sihon, and we asked him, hey, can we go through your land? And what did he do? Sihon, verse 20, gathered all his people together, encamped in Jahaz, and he fought against Israel. And when he chose to do that, according to verse 21, the Lord God of Israel delivered Sihon and all his people in the land of Israel, and they defeated them. Thus Israel gained possession of all the land of the Amorites who inhabited that country. They took possession of all the territory of the Amorites from the Arnon to the Jabbok and from the wilderness to the Jordan. Jephthah says, you know, this whole area of Gilead, that's ours. The reason it's ours is because you... Uh, your ancestors, the people who populated this land, wouldn't take our word for it. And they said, no, we're going to fight. So when we fought, the Lord empowered us and we defeated that entire land. Now, let me ask you this question. When you guys go out and fight people, if you take their land, whose land is it now? Well, the answer would be it's our land. So Jephthah's going to use that argument. He's going to say, well, you know what? We defeated that. God's the one who gave us the land. Therefore, you have no right to this territory. Go back home. Now the Lord God of Israel has dispossessed the Amorites from before his people Israel. Should you then possess it? The answer would be no. Will you not possess whatever Chemish your God gives you to possess? You, have, you go out to war, you give homage to your God, you say, God gave us this, blah, blah, blah. That's how it is with you, so with us. Will you not possess whatever Chemish... So whatever the Lord our God takes possession of before us, we will possess. And now, are you any better than Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he ever strive against Israel? Did he ever fight against them? No. If he had, then we'd take that land too. It's yours if you win it in the battle. Well, while Israel dwelt in Heshbon and its villages, and Aror and its villages, and in all the cities along the banks of the Arnon for 300 years, why did you not recover them within that time? In other words, if you had a dispute, why are you bringing it up now? Why didn't you take it, well, when you were dispossessed of it the first time? Why didn't you fight back for it? The reason why is because only now you think you have an opportunity and a right to it. No, no sir. Therefore, I've not sinned against you. But you wrong me by fighting against me. May the Lord, and watch this, may the Lord, the judge. Who's the judge? I just love that, don't you? Jephthah doesn't take that for himself. He says, Lord. It's kind of like what we read with Gideon. You know, Gideon would take everything that a king would have, but who did he say the king was? It's God. So, the Lord's the judge. Render judgment this day between the children of Israel and the people of Ammon. However, the king of the people of Ammon did not heed the words which Jephthah sent him. He wants to fight for it. I'm going to say that Jephthah, pretty good negotiator, you know? Now, you may run into this sometimes. You want to talk Bible with somebody. 
you have logical, reasonable arguments that you present. Some people, no matter how reasonable, how honest you are with the scriptures, just will not accept it. In your case, maybe you just have to move on, wait for a more opportune time. In this case, as, as the people are mounted up to fight, if you're not going to listen to reason, then we're going to battle. And whoever has, the Lord, whoever has a God of strength, he will win. I'll show you about possessing and depossessing land, Jephthah insinuates. So the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. Okay, this is the first instance of really the Lord interacting with Jephthah. Now, be reminded... Jephthah is to be the judge or the leader of the people. What is the Lord investing in Jephthah at this moment? Why is the Spirit of the Lord on Jephthah? To make him a great what? Yeah, you know, sometimes we think, okay, if, if the Spirit does something to somebody, they must have the full panoply of the power of God at their disposal. That is not always true. You remember Balaam's donkey? <laughs> Balaam's donkey was possessed of the Lord, and he could speak. But I don't see the donkey working miracles and, you know, speaking in tongues and stuff like that. The Lord bestowed on the person what was necessary in the moment. Jephthah is to be a great leader. He's already a mighty man of valor, but he is, he is a representative as a leader of the Lord God himself. And you think the Lord's going to take any chances with Jephthah? That outlaw, that, that thug? The answer is no. So God empowers Jephthah to become the military leader that he needs to be. The Spirit, that doesn't mean now that Jephthah automatically becomes a righteous and upright man. That's not how this works. But the Lord did empower him to be able to do what was necessary. He passed through Gilead and Manasseh, passed through Mizpah of Gilead, and from Mizpah and Gilead he advanced toward the people of Ammon, and Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. Stop right there. Did Jephthah have to make a vow to the Lord? Yeah, shake your head this way. Because the Lord's already what? Lord's already, he's already with him. You are going to win this battle. But understand the times. What kind of man is Jephthah? He's thuggish. <laughs> he is, we're in a time when people are outside of what the normal constraints of serving the Lord would look like. It isn't just serving the Lord. He might give, give, Credence to the relationship that has the Lord because the Lord's empowered him to do something. But you know what? In his heart, he's still a mess. What kind of people were the Ammonites? They have Ammonites and all those territories around them. The people that he typically associated with, he did the raids against. He sees idolaters practice all the time. The Ammonites offered human sacrifice. I mean, they, they, were, they were a despicable people. God wanted rid of them. How do you fight evil? Well, sometimes you take somebody who is able to face down that evil, somebody like Jephthah who has experience with it, you empower him to go and do that work. Is he perfect? He is not perfect. So even though he's empowered and God's going to give him the victory, Jephthah thinks this is a good time, probably a typical thing 
for the people of that time. Make a vow to the Lord. Let's make a big deal about this. So here's what he says. If you will indeed deliver the people of Ammon into my hands, then it will be that whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me, when I return in peace from the people of Ammon, shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up as a burnt offering. What's a burnt offering? That's an offering that you place on the altar and you burn it up. It was also called a, a total or complete or perfect offering. The burnt offering was a whole offering, meaning that you didn't leave any of it. You burned the whole thing up in your relationship, in, in, your, in your commitment, your dedication to the Lord. So he says, you know what? Whatever comes out of the door first, when I get back home after my great victory over the Ammonites, that is what I'm going to offer as a burnt offering. So Jephthah advanced toward the people of Ammon to fight against them. The Lord who delivered them, the Lord did. Didn't have to make a vow. The Lord's already offered success by, by empowering Jephthah. But the Lord delivered them into his into his hands. And he defeated them from Eror as far as Mineth, 20 cities, and to Abel Karamim with a very great slaughter. It wasn't even close. Thus the people of Ammon were subdued before the children of Israel. But remember that oath? Whatever comes out of the door, burn offering. Jephthah came to his house at Mizpah. There was his daughter. And by the way, it's his only daughter. Uh, is only only source of a line for the future. Jephthah is only going to reign as a judge for six years. This, this is it for him, his daughter. There was his daughter coming out to meet him with timbrels and dancing. She excited. You won! Yay, Daddy, you won! She's his only child besides her. He had neither son nor daughter. Came to pass when he saw her, that he tore his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, you brought me very low. You're among those who trouble me. For I've given my word to the Lord, and I cannot go back on it. So she's so excited. And when she sees him coming, she's expecting his face is going to be like what? But it's not. Because he's made this vow. You know, people get bent into pretzels over this. Jephthah promising to offer as a burnt sacrifice whatever comes out of the door first, and it was his daughter. For those of you that get so twisted up in a pretzel and wonder how God could ever agree to something like that, first of all, remember, where's the text God said he agreed to that? There isn't one, right? This is just something Jephthah offered to do. I think influenced by the nations around him. That's what they would do. Um, one time, I, I, I really stayed through this, and I came up with this great thing, and I happened to be with my dad. He was, I don't know, he didn't go to school to be a scholar, but my dad was a Bible scholar. And so, you know, I was all bigoty about it, and I was like, well, Dad... I think I've figured out this deal with Jephthah. So I've been reading up, like, at verse 31. It says, you know, this is his vow, whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me, when I return in peace from the people of Ammon, shall surely be the Lord's, 
and I will offer it up as a burnt offering. I said, you know, some of those Hebrew scholars think that the word and right there is actually an or. And that it actually reads that when I return in peace from the people of Ammon shall surely be the Lord's or I will offer it up as a burnt offering. In other words, depends on what comes through the door, Lord. If it's my daughter, I'll commit her to serve you. If it's not, maybe it's a goat. I'll offer it up as a burnt offering. And my dad looked at me after hearing my explanation there. And he said, okay, well, what does that text actually say right there? I said, well, my text says and. He said, you got another translation that they actually thought that the scholarship was good enough to change it to an or? No. <laughs> Any scholars you know of that have concluded that's what it is? No. How often is that word translated or as opposed to and? I said, well, rarely ever. <laughs> I said, well, why do you think it's that way here? Well, you know why? Because most people can't stomach the idea that this could happen, that someone could make an oath to the Lord that would involve the offering up of their child. But there's a rest of this story that I want to follow up with you, and that is what came out of it. Jephthah came to his house, Mizpah. There's his daughter. He's brought very low. She said to him, my father... If you have given your word to the Lord, do to me according to what has gone out of your mouth. Because the Lord has avenged you of your enemies, the people of Ammon. Then he said, she said to her father, let this thing be done for me. Let me alone for two months that I may go and wander on the mountains and bewail my virginity, my friends and I. Uh, what is it that a woman in this time wanted to do with her life? Bear children, be a mother. And by the way, this is pretty important for Jephthah because how many descendants does he have at this point? His daughter. The only children, only grandkids he's ever going to have are going to come through her. And so she's like, well, you know, it's the end of that. So would you, excuse me, would you at least give me two months to go and, you know, spend time with my friends and, and think about what's about to happen to me? That's something to think about. Verse 38 uh, so he said, go, and he sent her away for two months. She went with her friends, bewailed her virginity on the mountains. And it was so at the end of two months that she returned to her father, and he carried out his vow with her, which he had vowed. She knew no man. A lot of emphasis on her virginity, um, her purity. Now, two things. Number one, that could have been, I don't know, if you make the argument that he dedicated her to the temple, she needed to be pure in that activity. If you... Uh, stick with the argument that it is, as the text says, it is that he offered her as a whole burnt offering. What kind of offerings do you offer? <laughs> pure, pure offering. It became a custom in Israel that the daughters of Israel went four days each year to lament. Some translations even have to celebrate. It, that's a little quirky. The daughter of Jephthah the Gileadite. Everybody who was ever dedicated to service in the temple, did they get a special holiday where people remembered them? Well, go ahead and shake your head this way. No. This is the only instance of that I know of. So, uh, Ken, did he, did he offer his daughter up as a burnt 
offering? I, I think he did. I, I just, I read the text and take it for what it is. You can't stomach that. Maybe verse 31 shares something else with us, but here's what I want you to remember. This was not a good time in the history of Israel. And if you've studied through the rest of this, you, you will see that things get a lot worse. You may go to verse 31 of chapter 11 and see you've got footnotes that kind of point to that same conclusion. Uh, peace, however you, however you work that out. When you set one argument you might make is, well, now wait, Jephthah is one of those guys that's mentioned in Hebrews 11 verse 32. He, he certainly is. But it's not because he was a stellar guy. It was because simply he was a man of, starts with an F, man of faith. You know you can be man of faith and not be perfect. I hope you know that. <laughs> some of us are less perfect than others, and some are fudges. That's about all I got to say about that. What time is it? Rover, a goat, a lamb, a chicken, whatever. Um, what was his response when he saw it was his daughter? He brought me about as low as I can go, right? Okay, well, it's time to stop, so we'll stop right here. Um, we'll begin at chapter 12. And don't worry, Chris, we're, we're moving along. <laughs> uh, but this, I, I don't know, I think this is pretty interesting stuff. Let's have a prayer and then we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you so much for your blessings. Thank you for this time that we could study together. Um, these, these texts are difficult and written at a time that we're not familiar with and just circumstances in the lives of your people that are hard to digest. But Lord, thank you for, for revealing that there weren't perfect times, but you were perfect, you were faithful, you stood by your people despite the things they chose to do. We pray you'll bless us uh, that we can somehow get through these things and have a better appreciation of you and what you've done to bring your son to save us. Please keep safe as we travel tonight, and if it's your will, give a safe journey back so we can continue our relationship with one another and our study of your word. In Jesus' name, amen.